0: Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Remember the first time you heard Zig and how his words of wisdom had such a positive impact on your personal, family, and business life? Wouldn't it be awesome if every soldier, I'm talking airman, marine, sailor, and coastie serving our country, could have unlimited access to all of Zig's audio and video material anytime, anywhere. With your help, this dream is indeed possible. For less than $8, you and Zig will impact the lives of our military members and their families around the world by giving them complete access to the new online Zigler Vault. The Zigler Vault is the online library of all of Zig's greatest audio and video programs, including his most famous bestsellers, as well as his all-time classics. If Zig's message of hope and encouragement has made a positive difference in your life, now you can help change the lives of 15 American military members when you subscribe to the Ziegler Vault. To learn more about how you can encourage our military, please go to Ziegler.com or you can call me, Blake Lindsey. Here's my number, 972-383-3268. Please do it now. Hey, do you remember the last time you took a vacation? For some of you, that might have been a recent ski trip. That's something I like to do. For others, you may not even be able to remember the last time you were able to get away on vacation. Today, Zig is going to talk to us about what skills we used and how we behaved the day before we left for vacation. You know what I'm talking about? The day we were scrambling around to get everything done so we could leave with a clean desk and a clear conscience. What can we learn from that day? According to Zig, there's plenty to learn.
1: Now, let me ask all of you a question. How many of you in this live audience and those of you listening to this tape, how many of you consider yourself to be honest and at least reasonably intelligent? Can I see your hands, please, all right? Now, for those of you who did not raise your hands, was it the honesty part or the intelligence part (laughs) that uh, created the turmoil inside? Okay, I'm just teasing. I saw all of the hands go up. Now, let me ask you honest, intelligent people a question. How many of you, as a general rule, get more work done on the day before you go on vacation than you normally get done in two, three, even four days? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Now, if we can figure out why and how and repeat it every day without working any harder, Does it make sense that you'd be more valuable to yourself, your company, your family, and your community? Does that make sense? Answers, yes. I help you with the tough ones, okay? (laughs) Uh, No question about it. Yes, it does make a whole lot of sense. So let's see if we can do a little exploring and find out why. And uh, here's the first thing. First of all, you've already said to me that you are honest and intelligent. Now, I want to make another profound statement. What you do off the job determines how far you go on the job. Every athlete knows that. Every entertainer knows that. Every public speaker ought to know that. If every other worker doing anything would learn that, then they would be getting ahead much faster in life. They did a study on a typical American plant, and the person working the line on an hourly basis watched an average of 30 hours of television a week. The person in charge of that line watched an average of 25 hours of television a week. The foreman watched an average of 20 hours of television a week. Are you kind of noticing a little trend here? The plant superintendent watched an average of 15 hours of television a week. The vice president of the plant watched an average of 12 to 15 hours of television a week. The president watched an average of 8 to 12 hours of television a week. The chairman of the board watched an average of 4 to 8 hours of television a week. And 50% of that time they were watching training videos. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen to that person who's watching 30 hours of television a week if they were to take 10 of those hours... And get involved in doing what you're doing right now, listening to these tapes, reading good books, attending valuable seminars, getting that education. Is there a chance that they are a victim of circumstances or is it because they're a victim of inertia? It's easy to go home and sit down in front of the boob tube and, uh, you know, let it dominate or run their life. See, the television doesn't have that much good information it does some things to you, but the biggest damage television does is what it keeps you from doing. Keeps you from talking to folks, keep you from exercising, keep you from reading, keep you from learning, keep you from associating with other people, developing friendships, and a 101 other things. Well, now, what all of this leads up to is on the night before, the day before vacation, how many of you got out a little sheet of paper? And you said to yourself, now, self, tomorrow, you got to do this and this and... How many of you uh, literally did that? Now, in its simplest form, that is goal setting. I do a lot of public seminars where I'm fortunate enough to be on the program with some real celebrities in life. I mean, President Ford, President Bush, Schwarzkopf, Colin Powell. Is that okay for name dropping? I mean, people (laughs) of that nature. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't classify them as buddies, okay? I, I, I'd love to. I don't misunderstand. Uh, I am proud of the fact that the last time I saw Colin Powell, he did give me a big old hug. And uh, since he's one of my heroes, I, you know, I kind of like that. But anyhow, uh, I do a lot of those public seminars. Now, they did a study, and who is they? They is David Jensen, the chief administrative officer for the Crump Institute for Biological Imaging, Department of Pharmacology, UCLA School of Medicine. Now, with a title like that, you know he is somebody, don't you okay? Well, he's a good friend of mine, too. He did a study on the people who came to the seminars. It represents a broad section of American industry. Everybody from psychiatrists and truck drivers to school teachers and household executives, salespeople, entrepreneurs, business owners, all kinds of people. And those who set goals and developed a plan of action to get there earned an average of $7,401 a month. Those who did not set goals earned an average of $3,397 a month. That's over $4,000 a month difference. Now, here's my question. How many of you, as you listen to this tape, I want you to answer the question to yourself. Do you have time to invest another 10 minutes a day to pick up another $4,000 a month? <laughs> now, here's the rest of the story. The survey also showed that not only did they earn the additional money, but they were happier and healthier and got along better with the folks at home. People who know where they're going and have a plan to get there are easier to get along with. That's what this really does boil down to. You set those goals. And then uh, you got organized. In other words, you said, well, now, first of all, I'm gonna do this one. You know, you kind of lay it out, kind of see your hand, all right? Now, you get organized. Now, organization is important. Our controller at our company uh, is well organized. He even proofreads the Xerox copies we send out. I mean, I mean, she's detail-oriented is what, uh, what I'm saying, okay. And then once you got it organized, you, uh, uh, you accepted responsibility. You said, this is what I am going to do. You accepted responsibility. Now, that's something a lot of us don't like to do. And it goes back to Adam and Eve. You remember the story. They were in the Garden of Eden. God gave it all to them said, you can have everything you want. There's a tree right in the middle of the garden. Leave it alone. Don't eat it. Uh, That's, uh, you know, you don't do that. Well, you know what happened. They ate the fruit on the tree. To this day, a lot of people say it was the apple in the tree that caused man's problems. Not so. It was the pear on the ground that created (laughs) the problem. Well... Uh, You know what happened? God came walking in the garden that evening and he said, Adam, where are you? Now God knew where Adam was. But he wanted Adam to say, over here, Lord. Adam, did you eat that fruit? Now God knew the answer, but he wanted Adam to confess up. But Adam did the manly thing and has passed it on uh, to every generation since. He said, Lord... Let me tell you about that woman. <laughs> Lord said, Eve, did you eat that fruit? She kept the ball rolling. She said, Lord, let me tell you about that snake. And, of course, snake didn't have a leg to stand on. Now, now for the benefit of you Bible students, I know theologically I don't have a leg to stand on with that last statement either. But here's, here's the point I'm making. You don't have a leg to stand on. I don't have a leg to stand on when we constantly blame other people and the past. Now, realistically, if somebody fouled up your past, come on, you're not going to give them permission to ruin your future, are you? What we got to do is we got to get serious about doing something about our future. we got to get serious about doing things with our lives. Now, let me go ahead and say something you might already have noticed as this kind of breaks down. I speak and write at the seventh grade, ninth month level. Now, the reason I do that deliberately is because I learned a few years ago that if you kept it there, that even the college professors would be able to follow right along with you. (laughs) And understand what you're saying and see college professors are people but like my good friend Dr. Steve Franklin a college professor at Emory University says you know Zig the great truths in life are simple you don't need three moving parts and four syllables for it to be significant think about it for a moment Zig he said the only three pure colors on the face of this earth but look at what Michelangelo did with those colors Only ten mathematical digits, but look at what Einstein did with them. Only seven notes, but look what Chopin and Beethoven and Vivaldi did with those seven notes. (laughs) Look at what Elvis did with two. I mean, (laughs) it it just doesn't have to be that significant. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, delivered after the Battle of Gettysburg, which, as you know, took place during the War of Northern Aggression. (laughs) It, It just depends on where you got your education, I mean, you know. 262 words, that's all there are in that address. 202 of them, one syllable, simple, direct. John 3, 16, 25 words, 21 of them, one syllable. I believe in keeping it simple. I believe in making it so plain that nobody really can uh, miss what is being said. Now, you got organized, and you accepted the responsibility, and you made the commitment. Now, you know, most people are about as committed as a kamikaze pilot on his 39th mission. I mean, they just don't really take it seriously. I Well, remember, January 7th, 1992, I rode past the Plano, Texas Recreation Center. That's where I do my exercises and weightlifting. Had to stop the weightlifting. I was bulking up, and a lot of folks thought I was on steroids. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) we can't have that. Now... The reason I rode past was because there was not a parking space. I was back over there the next day, and this time I squeezed in, but in the Nautilus room, uh, they had lines behind every machine, three, four, five, six deep. Well, you can't exercise three minutes and rest 15. So I went back outside to the desk and I asked the young man, I said, Sean, what on earth's going on? Well, Sean kind of laughed. He said, Oh, Zig, he said, don't give it a thought. He said, Give us about three weeks. This will be back to normal. These are our New Year's resolution people. <laughs> now, you see, a New Year's resolution is really not anything on earth but a New Year's confession. That's all it is. I confess, I've got to lose some weight. I confess, I've got to get better organized. I confess, I've got to get more education. I confess, I've got to spend more time with my family. I confess, I've got to quit smoking. I mean, that's all. It. And the confession lasts as long as it's convenient, involves no trouble, takes no time, involves no pain, and they remember it. <laughs> but now, having said that, let me also go ahead and say that that confession is extraordinarily important because it can be step one. And you got to have step one before you can take step two. Now where it gets to be important is this. If you will tell enough people, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to get better organized. And you repeat it enough times, all of a sudden, one day, it finally breaks through. You know, a message goes 24,000 miles around the world in less than a tenth of a second. Sometimes it takes years for it to get that last 1 of an inch. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, okay? One day, though it finally gets through, you confess it enough time, and then you verbally stomp your foot and say, I'm going to do it. Now you've made a decision. And the way the mind works is really very simple. Once you've made a decision, then you say to yourself, now, self, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to get yourself together a plan, feller. Or later, you gotta get a, a, a plan of action. Whether you build a house, you know, want to build a better marriage, get a better education, lose 37 pounds, whatever it is, if you have made a decision, you know, start with the uh, confession, moves to a decision, then you automatically say, hey, I got to get a plan of action. Now, once you've got a logical plan of action that you believe in, then you say, I can do it. Now, you've made the commitment. Now, why is commitment so important? Regardless of what area of life you're in, if you've made a commitment, whether it's to get the education, maintain the marriage, lose the weight, or whatever, if you've made the commitment when you hit the wall, not if, when you hit the obstacle, the first thing you think about is, boy, how can I solve the problem? If you haven't made the commitment, boy, how can I get out of this deal? See, we find what we are looking for. Now, on the way to work the next morning, you've made the commitment. On the way to work, you're just talking to yourself like crazy. Well, the first thing I'm going to do when I get there is this, and boy, I know I can handle this, and I know I can do that. Yeah, I'll take care of that. Now, when you get there, there's only one change in your organizational structure that you should change. Instead of the most important thing for number one, you ought to put the most disagreeable thing. If you got to go deal with Charlie, if that sucker's been a thorn in your side and you got to handle the situation today, you go deal with Charlie. Now, if he's number five on the list, you finish number one and you're thinking about Charlie. Finish number two, got to deal with Charlie. Finish number three, got to deal with Charlie. Get Charlie out of the way. Like this old boy down home says, friend, if you're going to have to swallow a frog, you just don't want to look at that sucker too long. (laughs) I mean, uh, he ain't going to get no prettier. He really is not. So, you get there on time, maybe even a little earlier. Now, the boss likes that. I mean, she's probably watching you. And so, when you get there on time, even a few minutes early, on the day before vacation, I guarantee you, you're at least on time. And you get there, and you don't look around and say, well, I wonder what I ought to do first. I mean, you've got a plan of action. You're a self-starter. And you are optimistic that you're going to be able to get the job done. You become the kind of person that would take their last $2 and buy a money belt. I mean, basically, that's (laughs) what you are. Or, uh, you know, I tell folks I'm so optimistic, uh, you know, I'll put a dime in the parking meter while a redhead goes shopping. Now, if that's not (laughs) optimism, I don't know what optimism is. Okay. Now, you get started, you get your job done, and you see that start so important. Joe Saba put it this way. You don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. See, a lot of people never get started. You're extremely enthusiastic. I mean, you just so carried away with it. And let, let me talk about enthusiasm in just a minute. You see, enthusiasm is kind of like running in the dark. You might get there, but you might get killed on the way. <laughs> Blind enthusiasm, you know, if you're going in the wrong direction, that just means you're going to get in the wrong place quicker. Now, what you've got here, though, is a plan of action. Enthusiasm with a plan of action will produce dramatic results, and you're going on a lighted path. That's exactly what you are doing, and you are one more highly motivated person. You decisively move from one thing to another. You focus on the issue at hand. You discipline yourself to stay with the task until that task is completed. If somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, I want did, did you watch that game last night? You know, a scrimmage between those two. Boy, wasn't that neat? You say, look, I'd like to do that. I've got some things to do. How many of you have noticed that, as a general rule, people with nothing to do want to do it with you? <laughs> have, you have you noticed that? Oh, okay. Well, now, the interesting thing is... The interesting thing is that when you are organized and disciplined moving from one task to another, somehow or another, they just don't get in the way. They see that you've got something to do. And that enthusiasm and discipline shows up. Kind of like little Johnny. Now, he was a one enthusiastic kid. Second grader. One Friday afternoon, teacher said, Now, class, anybody has any unusual experience this weekend, let me know on Monday. The class will want to hear about it. Well, on Monday morning, little Johnny was a pistol. I mean, he was sitting there, and that kid was all over the place sitting still. I mean, and the teacher could tell, Johnny, I bet you had a good weekend. Yes, ma'am, I sure did. What would you do, Johnny? Me and my daddy went fishing, and we caught 75 catfish. They all weighed 75 pounds. Now, Johnny, son, you know that's not the truth. Yes, ma'am, it is. My dad is a great fisherman. I'm even better than he is. We caught 75 catfish. They all weighed 75 pounds. Now, Johnny. If I were to tell you that on the way to work this morning, on the way to school this morning, uh, just before I got here, a big old 1,200-pound grizzly bear ran up out of nowhere and was just about to grab me and eat me up when suddenly a little old 8-pound yellow dog jumped up, grabbed him by the nose, threw him down, bounced him back and forth, broke his neck and killed him. Johnny, would you believe that? He said, oh, yes, ma'am. I said, as a matter of fact, that's my dog. Laughter <laughs> You kind of put all of this together. (laughs) You, you, You see, the discipline is important. The enthusiasm is important. The persistence is important. You see, 175 of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies are former U.S. Marines. 26 of our presidents served in the military. Now what do they teach in the military? They teach discipline and persistence and focus and organization and direction and uh, all of these things are right there. And these are the qualities that would make you a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better employee, a better employer, the whole bit.
0: What can you do today that'll help you be more productive with your work? Make a list? Stay focused? How about get the dreaded task out of the way first? Zig gave us several good ideas. Try one of them out today and call me if you want to and let me know how it works for you. My direct line is 972-383-3268. I hope you make today a better than good day. Until next week, I'm Blake Lindsay, encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Zigler. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.